Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. First, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for being a father who instructs his children. We come as your children with a great expectation for your instruction. Teach us this morning as we Strive to hear your voice in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 24, verse 33, and there was set meat before him to eat. And he said, I will not eat until I have told my errand. And he said, speak on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly. He has become great. He hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old and unto him hath he given all that he hath. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my father's house, to my kindred, take a wife unto my son. I said unto my master, Peradventure the woman will not follow me. He said unto me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way, and thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred of my father's house. And thou shalt be clear from this mine oath when thou comest to my kindred, and if they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. And I came this day unto the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water. It shall come to pass that when the virgin come to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she said to me, Both drink thou, and I'll also draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. And before I had done speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down unto the well and drew water. And I said unto her, let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste and let down her pitcher from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give thy waters drink, thy camels drink also. So I drank and she made the camels drink also. And I asked her and said, whose daughter art thou? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcha bare unto him. And I put the earring upon her face and the bracelets upon her hands, and I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. And now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee, take her. Go, let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard these words, he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Now, we read it again. 
We just read the speech that Eliezer gave. We didn't have to, but we read it again because it's so important. And in our last study, we saw the tremendous importance that Eliezer said in verse 49 when he said, and now if you'll deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. He said, tell me. And if not, tell me twice, tell me. And I may turn to the right hand or the left. He just finished his speech and now he just finished his plea to this family. It's really a plea. It's a speech. It's a plea that he wants Rebecca to go with him and take her to be the wife of uh, Isaac. And so like a masterful lawyer, he's argued his case. Now he stops and he turns it over to the jury. Now they have to decide. What's the decision? He's poured out his heart. He's chosen his words very carefully. The words that he's chosen were not many. They were few, but they were very carefully chosen. And we've been studying how important each word was that he spoke in this 15-verse speech from verse 34 to 48. And now he's come to this point where he's asking for an answer. He has a right to an answer. He has a right to not be held in suspense any moment longer. They owe him an answer to his question, whether or not they're going to allow Rebecca to go with him to become Isaac's wife. That's why those words are so important, tell me, tell me, because it's now decision time. And there was something very interesting when you look at verse 49 in the construct, what he said there in verse 49. When you look at verse 49, who does Eliezer say will be affected by their answer? Abraham. It's Eliezer's master. It's very significant in verse 49 that he didn't say, if you will deal kindly and truly with me, tell me, and if not, tell me. That's what we might have thought that Eliezer would have said. I mean, after all, it's Eliezer that has poured his heart out to them in this plea. It's Eliezer that's traveled this great distance to get to them. It's Eliezer that went down to the well where all the women were and prayed to God that he would be shown the right, the, the selection that God had made for the wife of Isaac. It's Eliezer who found this family and confirmed that they were the right family. It's Eliezer who said that he was so anxious over the matter that he wouldn't eat until he had made his speech. It's Eliezer who's made this impassioned speech asking for Rebecca to come with them. And it's Eliezer who they were looking at right now, and he was the one who was asking for an answer. And so all they saw was Eliezer, and all they heard from was Eliezer. And we would have thought that Eliezer, who's just knocked himself out over this whole issue, that we would have thought that Eliezer would have said something like, now just look, look at all that I've done, look at all that I've said to let Rebecca come with me, become Isaac's wife. And now, if you're gonna deal kindly and truly with me, tell me, and if not, tell me. So the astounding fact here is that he doesn't say that, but he says, if you'll deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And by saying that, Eliezer is shifting again, once again, we see him shifting the focus to Abraham. Because Eliezer here is making it crystal clear that their answer was a direct answer to Abraham. They were going to tell him what their answer was to Abraham. We can almost see Eliezer just stepping out of the way and say, now you give your answer to Abraham, your answer is going to be to me, but it's going to be through me to Abraham. And so he's saying that, I am the channel you're going to speak to Abraham with. So deal with my master and tell me how you're going to deal with my master. So what we see in verse 49 is this question, are you going to deal with Hesed and Ebed? 
Are you gonna deal with kindness and truth? Will you be a friend to Abraham? Now, just freeze that. Freeze that scene in your mind. Because those words at the end of verse 49, and now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that's such a valuable scene for us because it's an exact picture of how we are to bring the gospel to the lost. See, like Eliezer, he chooses his words to the lost very carefully with the help of the Holy Spirit. And like Eliezer, we get engaged, we get involved in bringing the gospel to the lost. We do not bring the gospel to the lost in a sterile, remote control manner. You know, we don't throw the gospel out to the lost and say, take it or leave it with that kind of attitude. You do what you want to do. I gave you the gospel. Your blood's off my hand. You rejected that no skin off my neck or back. That's not our attitude. And that wasn't Eliezer's attitude. Eliezer, what we've seen him do here is that he's caught into this situation. Eliezer is using both his eyes and both his ears, and he's really focused in, and he's using his one mouth, you know, and he speaks. That's why God gave us two eyes and two ears and one mouth, because we're to look with our two eyes and with our two ears twice as much as we're to speak with our one mouth. So Eliezer, he's like a hawk. He's just focused in, he's honed in, he's watching and listening to every person in that group and that family. He's sussing it out, he's assessing it, he's evaluating, he's saying, what's the situation here? As he's going over the members of the family and he's figuring out where's the linchpin, where's the obstacle here to letting um, Rebecca come away with me and become Isaac's bride. Not exactly a small request, you know. <laughs> Who are you? Eliezer, what are you here for? To take her away with me, you know, to... I mean, he, Eliezer, before this, he hadn't figured that Rebecca's family was going to be such a major obstacle in the goal of getting Rebecca to come with him to Isaac. That's why Eliezer, on the spot, while on his feet, instantly concocts this conversation that he has between he and Abraham in verse 41 of how he'd be clear if the family did not agree to let the woman go. That conversation never occurred in verse five. That conversation in verse five was about if the woman was not willing to go. But Eliezer has his senses honed in like a hawk on the family, and he sees this family is a problem for me. This is a problem. This is an obstacle. So immediately, Eliezer thinks of what Abraham did say in verse five, and he just extrapolated that a little bit to say, well, you know, Abraham probably would have said this also, so that's what I'm gonna present. So he's very involved. He's very engaged here. Why? Because he didn't have a laid-back, I-don't-care attitude about whether or not Rebecca came or didn't come to become Isaac's bride. He was one engaged puppy, you know? And Eliezer wanted with all of his heart, he wanted to leave the house with Rebecca on that day to become the bride of Isaac. And it was going to make him very happy if that happened, if he left with Rebecca, and it was gonna break his heart if he left without Rebecca. Because he was involved, he was engaged in the outcome. And that's how we're to be with the lost. We are to be just as involved, just as engaged as Eliezer was with the lost. We're to study the lost like a hawk and watch and listen to their words to get involved in their lives because it is as we are involved that the Holy Spirit will give us the right words to tell them as he did with Eliezer and not just you know throw the gospel out in a take it or leave it attitude. That's what Paul said 
in 2 Corinthians 5.11. 2 Corinthians 5.11 is where he said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We persuade men is what he said. When we bring the gospel to the lost, we do it with persuasion, paeto. That's a word that's the same word that was used in Matthew 27, 20, where it says, but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. In other words, the multitude did not want to ask for the life of Barabbas. The multitude wanted to spare the life of Jesus but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the people to destroy Jesus. That's the same word that describes what Paul did every Sabbath in Acts 18.4 where it says, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Where's Paul? Where's Paul? Well, what day is it? It's the Sabbath. Oh, I know where he is. You can find him over down there in the synagogue. What's he doing down there? Well, he's using reason to persuade the Jews and the Gentiles. See, Paul was a persuader. He said, Did Paul, stand here. He said, he said, I'm Paul. Color me a persuader. Yeah. He was a persuader. He made it his business to persuade people to believe into and to trust in and to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he did. That's what Paul did. Paul was always doing that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where he was. It doesn't matter who he was with. If you came into contact, you were going to come into contact with a person that's going to persuade you, going to try and persuade you. And King Agrippa said that about him in Acts 26, 28, when it says, then Agrippa said to Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And when Paul heard that, Paul didn't apologize and say, I'm sorry for being a proselytizer. He didn't say, I'm sorry for being intolerant of your Roman beliefs. He gladly owns that title of being a persuader. And he said in reply to King Agrippa in Acts 26, 29, and Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am. Except, you know, we can do without the chain. Anyway, Paul said, I'm glad, King Agrippa, that you're getting persuaded And then he says, I hope everybody who hears me is also getting persuaded. So you can bet your bottom dollar that Paul is a loudspeaker. He was speaking especially loud. He was not only speaking to Agrippa, he was speaking to everybody within earshot when he says, and all that hear me this day. You know, it's as if Paul would say, you all hear me? You know, (laughs) anyway. So we see in the picture of Eliezer when he's saying, tell me, tell me of how engaged he is with this job of persuading to let the family to have the family let Rebecca go with him and become Isaac's wife. But now you freeze in your mind those words of how Eliezer put that when he said that although you're gonna tell me, you're really gonna tell Abraham through me. And the way Eliezer so concisely put that in his words there, we see how we are to view the response of the lost to the gospel. Exactly the same way as Eliezer said in verse 49. He says, it's a response, not to me. So we view it like this. It's a response, not to us, but to God. And like Eliezer, we do ask a lost person the same words of verse 49. We say, tell me, tell me. And just as the family was telling, really, Abraham through Eliezer, and so lost people tell their response to the gospel to God through us. 
And even though we're just like Eliezer, we're knocking ourselves out, and just like Eliezer, we're the ones who are pouring our hearts out to them in a plea for them to be saved. Just like Eliezer, we're the ones who so oftentimes travel to bring the gospel to the lost. And just like Eliezer, we're the ones who are praying to God for the lost to be saved. And just like Eliezer, we're the ones who are anxious about it all to bring our message, the gospel message to the lost. And and just like Eliezer, we're the ones who are asking for the decision to whether or not to receive the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior. And just like Eliezer, all the lost hear is from us and all the lost see is us. But just like Eliezer, we would never say to the lost, just look at all I've done and all I've said to persuade you to become a believer. Now, are you gonna be kind and true to me (laughs) and receive the Lord Jesus? Tell me, tell me. We'd never say that. And just like Eliezer, we'd never say something like that. Because just like Eliezer, even though we've knocked ourselves out, et cetera, we make it crystal clear that the answer that the lost give is to God. It's to God himself, directly to God. But Eliezer asked for an answer to the invitation, and God's asking for an invitation to the gospel, an answer to the invitation of the gospel. But the answer is to God. And so they go through Eliezer to God. They go through us to God. That's why Eliezer described the family's answer in such a concise, important way for us personally when he said, and now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. If not, tell me. Now, when you look at the last part of verse 49 where it says there, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left, you might say, now wait a minute. What you just said was that Eliezer was all involved and engaged in persuading the family to let Rebecca go. So if that's true, then why does he say, if you don't send Rebecca to me, then I'll just move on my way. I'll go to the right hand, I'll go to the left hand. Why did he say that? That's another form of persuasion. He's telling them, he says, uh, he's trying to get them to agree. He's telling them, he said, listen, you've got a window of opportunity here and it's closing because uh, I'm going to move on and I'm taking my jewels with me also, by the way. Those camels that got all the jewels in it, they're coming too. And that's a form of persuasion when he said that he is prepared to take all the gifts and move on to the next candidate. And there were other candidates, you know, because we know that Bethuel, who was the father of Rebekah, was not the only son of Abraham's brother, Nahor. As a matter of fact, in addition to Bethuel, Nahor had seven more sons with his wife, Milcah, and then he had four other sons with his concubine. Eliezer's got a few to choose from here. So there's 11 more sons that Eliezer can go to and search for the wife for Isaac. And so that's what is referring to when he says in the end of verse 49, you know, if you don't decide to send Rebecca with me to become Isaac's wife, I've got other options. And so at the end of verse 49 is when Eliezer, he stops. This is the end of his speech. He stops speaking, and now he says, the ball is in your court. Tell me, tell me, the demand of the answer to the invitation, and now Eliezer's silent. And what we see in verse 50 is the response of the family, particularly Laban, a very outspoken brother, and Bethuel. It says, then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. See, the first thing we note in the response from Rebecca's father, Bethuel, and her brother is a response that kind of surprises us a little bit because it shows, well, first of all, as I said, it shows that Laban was a pretty strong character, which we'll find that out later, a lot of influence. But when it says that in verse 50, then Laban and Bethuel answer, we can see here that there's a perfect agreement 
between Laban and Bethel. There's no dissension. There's no disagreement. Well, you know, hang on, Eliezer, and just give us a break while we go powwow about this a little bit. I don't know if we're on the same page. You don't get that. You get that they're both in perfect agreement. And this is a great encouragement for Eliezer, for him to see this perfect agreement. Behold, how good, how pleasant it is for Laban and Bethuel be together in unity. Great encouragement. And then they say their decision in verse 50. Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto the bad or good. Now we've seen that the direction that Eliezer has been is to get the family to see it's not about me, it's about Abraham for Rebecca to become Isaac's wife. So Eliezer's been working hard to make this clear that the issue is not that Eliezer wants Rebecca to become Isaac's wife. The issue is Abraham wants Rebecca to become Isaac's wife. So Laban and Bethuel have gotten the message that the issue is not Eliezer's desire for Rebekah to be the wife. Eliezer has been telling them it's Abraham that wants this. And so in verse 50, who does Laban and Bethuel see as the person who wants Rebekah to become the wife? The Lord. We're talking about Abraham. Now all of a sudden, it's the Lord. That's wonderful. Eliezer's just thrilled with their response because their response shows he's been successful at getting the family to look beyond Eliezer. And what's so thrilling was that the family has not only looked beyond Eliezer, the family has looked beyond Abraham. And now they see it's the Lord who wants Rebekah to be Isaac's wife. I mean, Eliezer couldn't have felt more satisfied, more fulfilled with their words than to hear them say, this thing has come from the Lord. And these words did Eliezer a lot of good. This does me good. Eliezer said, this does me good to hear them say, the thing proceeds from the Lord. And they said at the end of verse 50, we cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Now, what did they mean when they said, you know, we cannot speak unto thee bad or good? Well, first of all, we need to understand that the Hebrew word tucked behind this word, the English word thing, is our word debar. Debar, we talked about the English word thing doesn't really carry the power of the Hebrew word debar. I never would have chosen the word thing, but then the translators would never asked me. <laughs> but anyway, you remember that this word debar is the same word that Eliezer used when the translators translated the word errand in verse 33. I never would have done that either. And again, they didn't ask me for that as well, but okay. When he said, I will not eat until thou told mine errand. So that's debar. And we saw that the word debar means a critical issue, an important matter. I think I, I told you about my friend, Dr. Sheraton, Chaim Sheraton, who's the chief of nephrology over at New York Hospital, Long Island Jewish. And I was there with him one time, and we were sitting in a room and waiting for him to come in because we were going to have a meeting about a test. Anyway, and I was sitting there, and, and all of a sudden, he throws the door open, Dr. Sheraton does, and he walks in the room, and he goes like this, what's the issue, what's the issue, what's the issue? <laughs> I, yeah, that was his MO, you know, what's the issue? He just walks around saying, what's the issue, because everybody has an issue, especially at Jewish hospital, lots of issues. Anyway, so what's the issue, you know? Is this a word to bar? What's the critical issue? And so that's why it's a very important word. It's the second word that's used in the book of Deuteronomy. So in Hebrew, the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of Moses, is not called Deuteronomy. It's called Devarim, God's Critical Matters. That's what the title of the fifth book is, God's Critical Matters. Deuteronomy means the law for the second time, like it's some kind of repetition. Again, the translators didn't ask me, so what can you do? 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org.